Hey, everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. This has been a painful week. You know, I love to communicate God's truth. And so typically when I'm back there in my office before any of the services, I'm like chomping at the bit to get out here. And to be honest with you, this is one of the first weeks I can remember in years, I just thought, Lord, I don't know if I have the strength to go out. We had a wonderful service at New Spring last week and all of our services. And I just was celebrating the good things of God, but by six o'clock Sunday night, my world turned upside down because one of the closest friends I have in the world was accused of doing something very sad. It became a national story. And from about 6.30 Sunday night, I've been on the phone with church leaders all around the country, just almost nonstop. Some of the days just with time to sleep, trying to be an encouragement, trying to be a help. And just as I started to pick up some equilibrium there, the Uvalde shooting happened. And there have been, I'm just keeping it real here today, there have been times when I just didn't have any tears left to cry. I've been opening messages for weeks with prophecy because I just really don't think we can understand how our world, why our world is where it is without understanding the prophetic picture that God gives us in his word. And I told Mary Alice at breakfast yesterday, I said, I'm familiar with the world feeling like the wheels are coming off, but I said, I almost feel like the wheels are coming off so many of the Christian foundations that I thought I could take for granted. But we should never forget what the Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 13 and verse 10, because the Bible tells us that Satan in these days is coming down with great fury and great power because he knows his time is short. So New Spring, we can't speak for anybody else. We are a family of faith here. And I would just say it's all the more reason why we need to commit our lives to doing things God's way. When you open the pages of the Bible, whether you're starting in Genesis or winding up in Revelation, the Bible is always presenting us this dichotomy, this, this conflict between what the Bible calls the world and Christ. And the world, I'm not talking about the planet here. We're not talking about the globe. We're talking about the systems, the systems of this world in contradistinction to the ways of God. Or in our series right now, oftentimes we see the dichotomy between the flesh the old nature that we inherited from Adam. We're not talking about the skin. We're talking about that operating system that we picked up at birth that was defiled because of Adam's sin between the flesh and the spirit of God. When you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, God moves inside of you. So consequently, as a Christ follower throughout your life, you're gonna have this internal head-butting battle going on between the old operating system, what we inherited from Adam, and the Holy Spirit of God who is in our lives and operative. But it is one more time a reminder that we should never forget that even Christ followers are able to do any kind of sin that anyone who doesn't know Christ is able to do because there's a part of us that's not redeemable. There is a part of us that we're gonna to have to lose. It is why we have to die or when Jesus comes, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we will be changed. 
And I just don't know that I could have a better, more timely series than this series called Supernatural Spirit-Filled Family Living. And I know I've said this verse to you. I've said it every week so far, and I'll say it every week until we get through with the series. And it's not because I don't think you got it. It's just we need to be reminded of this. Scripture tells us that the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature, will reap. Our translation says destruction, but the Amplified, which fleshes it out, says death, decay, and destruction. So what the Bible is saying here in practical terms is, look, Mark, you have an old operating system that you inherited from Adam. You had it before you got saved. It's still there. It will be there until I leave this life. That part of me is corrupt and is capable of anything. And so consequently, the Bible is saying if I sow, in other words, if I plant seeds into that old nature, from that nature, I will reap death, decay, and destruction. I've talked to a lot of Christians through the years who felt like because he did something wrong, God was judging them or punishing them. And I do know that God judges and God does punish. But oftentimes, I think in a lot of cases, Christ followers had sowed seeds of destruction into their old nature, and it was from that nature. In other words, it was just the natural consequences of what they had done. One more time, let's go back into the verse. The one who sows to please his sinful nature will from that nature reap destruction. The one who sows or plants to the Spirit will from the Spirit receive eternal life and also a quality of life. You know, I've said it to you before and I'll say it again as long as this series goes. We have to think in terms of the fact that every thought we think, every word we say, every, this is a big one, every attitude we hold everything we do is a seed. It's not like it's just one and done. It's not like we just said it and it's over. I mean, it's like every word we say, we're going to see it again. We will reap a harvest. And by the way, it's not just negative. It's also positive. I mean, here's the thing. If I'm in a scenario, in a situation, and my flesh is giving me the impulse to say something unkind or cutting, if I plant that seed into my dark side, I'm going to see a harvest. On the other hand, if when I'm impulsed to say something that's not kind, if I think about what God would have me say, and he said, I say something kind, I just planted a seed in the spirit of God. And always remember this, this is the quintessential law of sowing and reaping. You always reap what you sow, you always reap more than you sow, and you always reap later than you sow. And so I have to deal with the reality, bad and good, that today's harvest in my life is a result of yesterday's seed. In other words, whatever's going on in my life is a result of yesterday's seed, and I'm really quickly cognizant of the fact that you're not the only person planting seed in your life. I mean, you, you may be a very godly woman who loves God very much and you're trying to please God. You may be married to somebody who's dropping bad seed in the ground. And I'm well aware of the fact that the harvest that you have right now may be a shared harvest of several people dropping seed. In fact, I think the world that we're living in right now is pretty indicative of a lot of bad seed being sowed. But by and large, I have to look at my life today for bad and good, and I would say the harvest that I have, is there anybody else like me that would say it's a mixed harvest? There's some good, there's some, some elements in my life where I've sowed good seed, but on the other hand, there's some seed that I've dropped in the ground that's not, a, not what it should be. And so today's harvest is a snapshot of yesterday's seed. This is why I keep saying this over and over and over, is most people do not know this. Most Christians do not know this. And here's why it's so critical. If we don't understand how this works, we will be fooled by Satan into believing that change is impossible. And I have a counsel now for over a decade. You know, we, have, we have wonderful counselors who counsel today. 
But I do remember in the old days when I used to counsel a lot of times husbands and wives who were having a bad harvest, I would almost hear from them the belief that change was not possible. And I think the reason for that is they would sort of assess the, <laughs> the possibility of, of a husband to change or a wife to change or kids to change. But that's not what the Bible is telling us to do here. The Bible is telling us we can't control what other people do, but we can control the seed that we drop into the ground. And I don't know who I'm talking to today. You may have given up on some relationship with your family or in a marriage or with the people that you work with or your friends. But remember what Jesus said. The disciples were asking Jesus one time about something they thought would be pretty difficult. And Jesus answered this way. He said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. In other words, if I'm going to rely on my dark side, my old nature, you know, the way things are, if I rely on my own nature, Jesus said, you're right, it's impossible. But look at the next line. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. See, here's the thing. If I'm dropping seed into my old nature, there's a lot of stuff that's impossible. If I turn around and I start dropping seed into the Holy Spirit in my life, then things that were impossible are not impossible anymore. Can I get a witness on that? Yeah. Well, in the coming weeks, I'm going to identify some of the seeds that bring a good harvest. I cannot wait to bring the message called the Jesus harvest. This is what, the third week I've said that? I, just trust me, I can't wait to bring it. It'll be the greatest sermon I've ever preached in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to give you a list of some bad seeds in a message called Take These Seeds Out of Your Bag. But before I do that, can I just talk to everybody who's got my personality here? Do I have any brothers or sisters who just don't like lists? I don't like lists. Now, I know there's some of you who do like lists. You have them all over your refrigerator. You have them on your airbag out there in the car in the parking lot. We love you, but you drive the rest of us crazy. No, no, no. It's the other way around. You, you, I don't know what I'd do without people around me that don't make lists. I've never been really good with lists. I love it when somebody will show me how to do something. You know, if you'll just show me how it works. I mean, we're the people that keep YouTube going, right? Because you don't know how to do something, somebody's made a video on how to do it. This is so pathetic. I hate to admit it, especially on television. I, was, I can't remember I was. I was speaking somewhere and I had rented a car and I didn't recognize the car. It's just, I'm, I drive Toyotas and, and nothing seemed right to me. And it, it was a driving rainstorm and I couldn't find the windshield wipers. I pulled over to the side of the road, turned the car off, got on my smartphone and I, I, I looked for a video on YouTube and I found one. I mean, I turned the windshield wipers on. Oh, no, I, I, I'm better if somebody would show me something. So here's what we're going to do today. We're just going to, I don't know if this is a sermon or not. We're just going to look at a case study on someone who sowed to the Spirit. We're going to look at a guy, and could just as easily be a, a lady. We're going to look at a guy who throughout his life had all kinds of challenges, but he consistently sowed to the Spirit. Now, let's do a moment of transparency here for a moment. We've all dropped some bad seed, right? We've all dropped some seeds into our own nature. We've had some bad attitudes. I've said some words. Why? Isn't it interesting? Isn't it strange, husbands, maybe wives, that we can say the most cutting thing we ever say to the person we love the most in the world? 
Isn't it true? I mean, we look back on some of the things we've said and we say, how could I have said that to the person I would have died for? And that brings up a point. And see if this resonates in your life. I don't think Christ followers get up in the morning and think, I'm just going to go out and blow up my life. I just don't believe that. I mean, I've seen a lot of Christians blow up their lives, but I don't think people get up in the morning and say, I think I'm just going to go out and flip God off and blow up my life. I think I'm just going to go out and destroy my marriage. I think I'm just going to go out and destroy my future with my kids. I think if we look back on the bad seed that we dropped more often than not, see if this resonates. How often, though, was it not an action, a deliberate action? How many times was it unwise reaction? Situations come out of nowhere. They bring pressure. And in that pressure, our old nature comes, out of that old nature comes impulses. And those impulses are oftentimes how we wind up dropping a bad word, a cutting word, developing a bad attitude. I didn't plan to have this attitude, but junk came up in my life. And now I'm reacting. And we wind up sowing to the flesh. I thought about that a lot this week, and I think there are two primary impulses that come out of our flesh that usually lead us to sow bad seed. Here's the first one. The first one is, I don't deserve this. You know? And I know, I know I'm talking pretty much to Christ followers here today, and, and, and I hope I always add value no matter what your life circumstance is. But today I'm pretty much talking to Christ followers. You know, you know how it is? We... We hear the Bible and we hear about the right thing to do and then we hear about how you're blessed if you do the right thing. And, and that's, that, is, that is true and it's definitely true in the long haul. But we, we think, okay, I'm gonna try to do the right thing. And then something tough comes up in our lives and we find ourselves saying, I don't deserve this. I deserve better than this. That one doesn't get me so much. I know how the world works. It's the second one that can get me. And that is... I didn't expect this. Hey, I live my life by expectations. I mean, I, I, I try to do that as a leader. I try to set realistic expectations because the one thing I've learned in life, I can handle most things as long as I can bake in the, the, the probabilities, the expectations. But how many times do we find ourselves in a scenario where all of a sudden we get blindsided by something we never saw coming? I mean, we could have hand, we could have dropped good seed in the ground as long as the day had gone along with our expectations, but all of a sudden, boom, something blows up, and it's like, I didn't expect that. So I just want to file that with you before we get started today. I think oftentimes it's the I don't deserve this and I didn't expect this that can create impulses inside of us to drop bad seed. Okay, here's our case study. Our guy had a lot of those moments. I know his flesh had to cry out to him, and by his flesh, I mean his old nature. I know his old nature had to cry out to him, drop bad seed, but we're going to watch how the time and time again, this guy chose to sow to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be talking for a few moments about the Old Testament character, Joseph. Joseph. Let's take situation one. Growing up in a toxic home situation. Now, okay, how many of us grew up, what's the percentage here of us who grew up in an imperfect home? 
Yeah, right? Of course, it's all us. There's toxicity in all of our backgrounds. And it might not be with your parents, just, it could have just been the way you grew up and what happened to you. You may have been bullied as a kid. Or we could go on and on to talk about that. Well, Joseph grew up in a very toxic situation. How toxic? Well, you can read in the Bible about his family. His dad had multiple wives. We see that a lot in the Bible. Never was God's, God's will. Show me any situation, any Bible story in the Bible where somebody had multiple wives, it always ends badly. But this one was really toxic. Because um, Joseph's dad was married to two wives, at least at first. He loved one, didn't love the other. The one he loved couldn't have kids. The one he didn't love had a lot of kids. And so it just created all this tension and this warfare in the home. But in time, the wife that Jacob loved was able to have a baby, and that baby turned out to be Joseph. And the other brothers, of course, they'd grown up in this toxic, mm, awful situation. And so when Joseph came along, they hated him. And on top of that, what made it worse was he was daddy's favorite. And you can read about it. This is in Genesis 37. So how toxic was the situation with his brothers? How about Genesis 37.5? Joseph had a dream when he told his brothers about it. They hated him more than ever. And Joseph's dream came from God. But let me just remind us all, you want people to hate you, just have a dream. That's fact. Most people are fine as long as you settle for the status quo which as a friend of mine said, that's Latin for the mess we're in. So, and by the way, if you want, and I've said this in the corporate world as well as in the church, if you want people to hate you, just have more, know more, and do more. And that's Joseph. Those brothers hated him. Well, worst thing was his dad made him the accountant for the family, so he sent him down to check on his brothers. They were in the livestock business, and they were away from town grazing their flocks, and so they saw Joseph coming. We're in Genesis 37, 19 now. They said, here comes the dreamer. Come on, let's kill him. You may have had some sibling robbery, but chances are they didn't want to kill you. But now watch this. They see Joseph coming, and they say, what will we gain by killing our brother? There's no money in that. Let's sell him. Sell him. Sell him as a slave? Yeah, that happened. Now, that's toxic. They sell him to some Ishmaelite traders. They take him down to Egypt. He gets sold to the top military man in Egypt. He goes from being a favorite son to a slave in a foreign country. And loose ring, please listen to me. I'm really sensitive here because I understand that while I say all of us had some toxicity in our background, some of you came from very painful, toxic home situations. And I know that the hurt is deeper than the rest of us understand or can imagine. But... We still need to go where we need to go with this. And we need to go somewhere. When Joseph was treated like this, what do you think his dark side was saying to him? I mean, he didn't deserve this. It wasn't what he expected. I believe that Joseph's dark side said, Joseph, you now have permission to become a card-carrying perpetual victim. And that's sort of the message of our culture today. Now, you know, his flesh, I'm sure, said to him, you can feel free now to curl up into a ball and check out. You can store up anger and take it out on everybody else. You can freeze your emotions and never trust anybody again. You can dull your pain with drugs and alcohol. I mean, I'm sure that's what his inside nature was saying to him. He had tried to do things the right way, and instead he had met with all kinds of problems. And his flesh could have said, Joseph, from now on, you're in Egypt, you're a slave. You are a victim. Now, let's be clear. 
we would understand that. That's a very human feeling. I mean, if you're a counselor and you're counseling Joseph and he's sitting across from you and he's come in to talk with you and he's told you about all this stuff that his brothers have done to him and, and, and if Joseph said, you know, from now on, I think I'm just going to be a victim. If you and I were counseling him, we would say, Joseph, we understand that. I mean, I, 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 it makes sense on, on one level. But that wouldn't be the question Joseph needed to ask, would it? I mean, the question is not, what do you feel like doing as a, in response to how you've been treated? The question is, New Spring, what kind of harvest do you want? Yes. I mean, what, what do you want your future to be? I mean, do you want to just settle for being a victim, a classic perpetual victim, and say, I'm just checking out? Or do you want to say, as, as, as God's daughter or God's son, that you are God's daughter and that you are God's son and that no matter what people have done to you, you're not gonna sell your future to victimhood. <laughs> it's that moment where Joseph could have taken the seed out of his bag and could have sown to the way he felt, but instead he took a seed of faith out of his bag and dropped it into the Holy Spirit. And here is the manifestation of it. Joseph kept <laughs> this is good. He kept being the person he was. He understood that his brothers had the power to hurt him, but they did not have the power to change him. I mean, here's the thing today. If you're God's child, one of the greatest temptations of the enemy is to say that from now on, you need to change and become somebody else other than who you are. But that's way too much power to give somebody else. We should never give somebody else that much power. Maybe here's a better way of saying it. Joseph chose at that moment to be defined by God's promise to bless him and not by his brother's power to hurt him. I mean, could we receive that today? He didn't have Jeremiah 29, 11, but he knew the truth of it. God said, I know the plan. Listen to me, please, because I'm talking to somebody who's been treated like Joseph. I know the plans that I have for you. And you see, God said, I know the plans. Your brother's not in charge here. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not disaster to give you a, what new spring? Future and a hope. Well, what happened next? He said, well, Mark, I heard you. You know, you sow, you get a harvest. So everything must have gone great for Joseph after that point. Things got worse. I mean, they, t they looked like they were getting better. He winds up in this guy Potiphar's estate. He's one of the richest guys in Egypt. And the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. He succeeded in everything he did. Potiphar noticed this. He put him in charge of everything he owned. Looking good, right? Situation two. Okay, Christians, I want to talk to you for a moment. Christ followers. The devil will always try to get you cheap. Fair? I mean, the devil will try to get you, he'll try to get you to develop a bad attitude because here's the thing, your attitude is like the settings for everything else in your life. And if he can, if he can get you, an attitude's like a filter through which you look at everything in life. I mean, I've taught you this before. You can see two people, one has a good attitude, one has a bad attitude. The person with a good attitude can have more trouble than the one with the bad attitude. It's just attitudes are like filters through which we look at everything else. He will try to get you cheap because if he can ever get you to mess up your filter, then all your settings will be off. But if he can't do that, he'll try to bring, and this is situation number two, something toxically shiny. In other words, he'll like say, trade your destiny for what I have to offer you. Now in Joseph's case, as with a lot of men, 
And women, it's somebody of the opposite sex. Now, Potiphar, I should tell you this, back in Egypt, people just, they slept around it, like, like people do in America today. It's just part of the culture. But Joseph's not part of that culture. He's a Christ follower, God follower. And so he was a good-looking guy. I mean, he, he seems to be handsome and chiseled, and, and he's successful. And so Potiphar's wife sees him, and she kind of wants to have some fun in the afternoon, so she's kind of like making her move on Joseph, and Joseph's like just absenting himself. But one day, everybody is gone, all the servants are gone, and it's just Potiphar's wife and Joseph, and she's very blunt. She's saying, sleep with me. And what happened next was Joseph ran out of the room, and we'll talk about what he said to her in a moment, but she grabbed his coat, and he ran out. Now, now here's the thing. Go back to that moment where she's tempting Joseph. Listen. I know this is true for guys. I think probably ladies too. I don't know. I'm just, I'll just talk to guys for a moment. What do you think his dark side said? Here's a beautiful woman saying, let's sleep together. I mean, I'm sure his dark side said, you will enjoy this. You deserve this. Nobody will ever know. And here's the big one. Everybody does this. Now, maybe it's time for us to slow down for just a moment and think about not just what's going down here on earth. Let's think about what's going on in the heavenlies. There is a fight over Joseph's destiny. Satan has heard Joseph's dreams. He doesn't know everything, but he knows that God has put a dream on Joseph's life. And, and God desperately wants to bring that into his life. But in the heavens, there's this battle going on for Joseph's future. He wants... To he wants to take Joseph's destiny away from him, just like every husband in this room, he wants to take your destiny away from you. Wives, he wants to take your, moms and dads, he wants to take your future away from you. We just read a moment ago, God's got great plans for you, he wants to steal that. He attacked his attitude, Joseph didn't blink, he kept dropping good seed. Now he's trying to swindle him out of his destiny. And the seed that Joseph chooses to drop on this particular temptation will determine his future. Listen to what he said to her when she tried to get him to sleep with her. Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in this entire household. No one has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Joseph gets the fact that there are dots to connect here. This particular situation is going to have outcomes. And Joseph said, I'm not going to do this thing. It would be a sin against the man who trusts me. Ma'am, it would be a sin against your honor. It would be a sin against my future. And I'm not going to do this. And he takes, reaches into his bag of seed and he drops the seed of obedience. Amen. Everything's going to be great, right? Oh no. It's going to feel like it goes from bad to worse. You guys are a godly church. You know what? I think there are a lot of us that he wouldn't get with our attitude. And there are a lot of us that he wouldn't get if he dropped something shiny in front of us. But this third one really has the power to get us if we're not careful. It's the, when he tried to do the right thing, he was met with injustice. I mean, Potiphar comes home and, and the wife says, you know what? He tried to assault me. And see, I have his coat. 
And Potiphar did what I think any man would have done in that situation. He had Joseph thrown in prison. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. He started the day the top administrator in this, in this business, and by nightfall, he's wearing an orange jumpsuit. And he's sitting there in the prison cell, and he's thinking to himself, I tried to do the right thing. I tried to do what God wanted me to do. And instead, he was met with injustice. I really do believe that one of the toughest things that Satan will ever throw at you, and some of you know what that's like because you're going through it right now, you have tried to do the right thing, but instead of what you think should be blessing, you're dealing with injustice. And he's sitting in the prison. What do you think his flesh is saying right now? His flesh is telling him, God can't be trusted. You tried to follow God. Look where it got you. I am about to give you one of my favorite lines in the entire Bible. You ready for it? Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. One more time. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison. Do you know if the Lord is with you, I mean, if the king is with you in the prison, then it's just the safe room of the palace. Can I just say one more time? If the king is with you in the prison, you're just in the safe room of the, of the palace. Now listen, I know that most of us are not in prison today, never will be in a prison, but I want to think about what a prison is in kind of an existential fashion. A prison is just a place you can't get out of. And some of you are in that. You're in a place in your marriage that you just feel like you can't get out of. You have a place with one of your kids. I've always told you, if you have more than one kid, you'll have one that teaches you to pray. <laughs> You're in a situation with one of your kids, or maybe more than one, that you can't get out of. And you've tried everything you know. You're in a, you're in a, a prison. But when you, when you drop a seed to the Holy Spirit, now work with me for a second. God's going to bring Joseph out. We'll talk about that. Spoiler alert. He's going to give him his full harvest. But here's the thing. Isn't it great to know that when you are a Christ follower and you're dealing with injustice and you're still waiting for your harvest to come in, that the Lord will sit there in the prison with you and you won't be alone. Well, I'm already in overtime, so I'm going to have to like speed this up. Is this okay if we just take a little more time today? The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Well, I'll close with this. The harvest came and it was huge. You know, God had given Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. And you know what's interesting about this? God's harvest was going to start in the prison. In fact, Joseph needed to be in the prison to be where God was going to bless. I, I tell you what, I've watched this in my life. There are situations I would have never chosen in my life, but they, life put me there. And it was like, that's where God met me and began to work out my destiny. <laughs> well, Joseph was, you know, he's in the prison and Pharaoh got upset with a couple of his top administrators. It was the butler and the baker, and that could sound like 
they weren't all that important, but in those days, they were more afraid of poison than anything else. So these were top administrators. There's the guy in charge of wine, the guy in charge of food. And Pharaoh thought one of them was trying to kill him. He didn't know which one, so he just put him in a bag and threw him in jail. And while they were in jail, they both had dreams, and they had a sense these dreams were important. And Joseph said, tell me your dreams. I, I, you know, I have a God who helps me deal with this. And so the baker told him his dream, and Joseph said, I'm sorry, Mr. Baker, but you're going to get executed in three days. Bad news. And he said to the butler, hey, you're in good shape. In three days, you're going to be restored to your job. And when it happened like that, the butler said, as he was taking off his orange jumpsuit, he said to, to Joseph, hey, as soon as I get back to the palace, I'm going to tell Pharaoh about you. He was lying. He's just glad to have his head. So he went back to prison and summarily forgot Joseph for two more years. One day, Pharaoh had a dream. He had a sense it was no ordinary dream, and it wasn't. It was about the future of the world. And Pharaoh called in all of his intelligentsia, and none of them could interpret his dream. And about that time, the butler said, oh, could have had a B8. There's a guy down in the prison. <laughs> There's a guy down there in the prison who can interpret dreams. And Pharaoh said, get him out here. And so Joseph got all cleaned up, washed up, shaved his head, you know. He started talking like an Egyptian, walking like an Egyptian. <laughs> Just want to see how many 80s people we have in here. We had more last night. A few more in 9.15. A lot of y'all are too young. Joseph comes out there and, and, and interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And he said, sir, here's what your dream is. He said, you're going to go through some bad times. Right now, you're going to have some good times. You need a whiz bang administrator to come in here and run this whole scenario. And Pharaoh said, looks like you're the smartest guy in the room, son. And he went from being in the prison to being the most powerful man in the world in between you and me. And we'll talk about it someday. God used him to save civilization. That's a pretty good-sized harvest. Thank you for listening today, just a little bit longer. I'm talking to somebody today, and you're in that situation. I didn't deserve this. I didn't expect this. But please hear my heart. Never forget, the bigger the test, the bigger the harvest. If you're going through... If you go through a big test and you decide that you're going to keep dropping seed in the Holy Spirit of God, you may not even be able to imagine the harvest that God has for you. I love Psalm 105, 19. It is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Bible says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. So you may be going through that test of character right now. But just stay with God. Don't let those impulses cause you to have a bad attitude or to give in to temptation or to say because you're dealing with injustice that God's not fair. Just keep dropping those seeds of faith and love and joy and goodness and meekness and gentleness and long-suffering. And what you'll discover is God has an enormous harvest for you. May God bless you. I, I, could I just say one more? I don't know. What am I, 11 minutes over time? I, I don't, here's the thing. Somebody could be here today and you say, Mark, I don't know for sure if I have God living inside of me. You can have God inside of you by the time you get out of your seat to walk out of here and he'll be with you forever. Because here's the deal. This is between you and God and it's a gift. 
You don't get it by joining a church. You don't get it by giving money. You don't get it by turning over a new leaf. You, the only way to get eternal life and salvation and God moving into your life is to receive Jesus as a gift. The Bible tells us we're all flawed, broken sinners. Amen on that, right? We cannot save ourselves. But Jesus came. He lived the life we can't live for 33 years. He died on a Roman cross the way God saw it. The blood that came out of his body was a payment for your sin, past, present, and future. And then he rose from the grave, and he's alive, and he's king of heaven. He's Lord of lords, and he's listening for you. Jesus said, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If you open the door, I'll come in. And so what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, if you want to pray. And I'll pray it slowly. You can decide if you want to say this. Could we just all bow our heads for a moment? You say, Mark, I want to know that Jesus is in my life. Okay, here we go. Let's pray. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. But I believe you love me very much. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. I believe that he rose from the grave. And since Jesus is alive, I want Jesus to be my savior and my king. I turn from my old way of living. Give me the power and the strength to follow Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One more moment. If you pray with me, I have a gift for you. It won't cost you anything. There's zero strings attached. It's a Bible just like I preach from, a book that I wrote that'll answer a lot of questions, a journal and some coupons. Got your smartphone? If you want to get it today, if you're, on, if you're, if you're, if you're watching online, you can text PRAYED to 97000, follow the instructions, and we'll get this out to you. If you're on campus today, all you have to do is go back to any of the info centers. You'll see this color and say, I pray with Mark, and they'll give this to you. Thank you. God bless. We'll pick this up again next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.